you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Our next guest is an advocate of quality and process innovation in software development for over 20 years. She's also the founder and CEO of Quality Works Consulting Group. Welcome, Stacy Kirk. Thank you. I've given our audience such a brief bio, and we didn't even talk about posture, but I will not steal your thunder. Why don't you share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your Well, thank you. Um, Well, I'll start by talking about a little bit about myself. I've been an entrepreneur now for over 12 years. Um, Being a Black woman entrepreneur, it's always uh, been my interest in working with the underdog, the underdogs in tech, the underdog um, entrepreneurs and startups. And I'm just really excited that I've been able to, for the last 12 years, have a team of brilliant developers and testers and project managers help a lot of startups grow and, um, and, and be able to compete with some of the larger corporations. And out of that came the idea for Posture. So Posture is an all-party cyber risk management platform designed specifically for the small business to be able to compete with other suppliers that are twice their size and have their own cybersecurity team and department. So what Posture does is it figures out based on your company what you need to do to prepare your organization so that when you get an opportunity to have a large buyer like a Fortune 500, you're able to say, I have a cybersecurity program and I have posture that is helping me continue to manage it. And so that's what posture is about. And uh, we've recently launched um, our uh, platform this January and just excited to be here to talk to you more about it. Talk about um, launching the platform posture and what is something that we don't know about cybersecurity and definitely being ready and 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 ensuring everything is in order that we don't know as um yeah well i think one of the things that you don't know is you know as a small business you want to have big clients you want the disney's the comcast the apples the facebook's or the metas um as your clients and what you don't know is one after you do all of the work to make the networks to pitch to present to five or six different levels to get an opportunity to give your product or service to these large corporations, then as part of that vetting, you are expected to share information about what your team does for cybersecurity. If, if in fact that your organization has any access to these large corporations' data, And when you get there, it's scary. And I was there and said, oh, my goodness, after all of the years of hard work, subcontracting, proving ourselves, we finally have an opportunity to work with a Fortune 100 company. And they give you these list of questions, you know, 100 questions about your cybersecurity program. They ask for 20 uh, pieces or plus of evidence of what you're doing. And even as a tech company myself, being a software developer and understanding security, I thought the questions were difficult and and overwhelming. And so what I want small businesses to know is because of where we are now in this remote world, this post-pandemic world where hackers are um, making millions, if not billions of dollars off of ransomware attacks, et cetera, you cannot just be a small business that isn't thinking about cybersecurity because you think you're small. Um, the smaller companies are easy targets because they know that they do not have their own team of, within their organization to do it. And what I think is really surprising is since the pandemic, the cost for a small business to get Uh, the cybersecurity that they need to be competitive, it used to be $13,000 if you're an organization with less than 10 employees. After the pandemic, it's $124,000. It's almost 10 times as expensive because now all of these large organizations are realizing, oh my goodness, there's even more risk 
for us to work with small businesses because all these small businesses have their employees working from home. And that is that is just um, even more of an opportunity for for risk that we don't want to take. What was that aha moment when you Did you hear that, Stacy? I'm sorry. What was that aha moment that you knew your business was going to be successful? <sighs> I think, um, you know, I've been fortunate. I'm on my second business. I'll tell you my, my first business aha moment um, came when I knew that we, my, my staff could deliver even better than expected. You know, one of our large first large companies that we worked with is called DPD. They're kind of like the UPS of the UK. They asked us to come in and to create all of these automated scripts and do it exactly like they told us to do it. And it was tedious and it was mundane. And we used this external tool to do it. And one day my staff said, we can do this better. We can write code. We can write this automation and we can take what would normally um, be a week worth of work and we can do it in minutes. And we presented and delivered that to our client. And I realized I, I've done it. I've created, um, I've created a consultancy where we can um, come in and anticipate our clients' needs and solve it in a way that's going to save them so much time and so much money. Um, and I knew once I had that and my team understood that that was the purpose of our organization, um, it just went up from there. And so that was the success there. And, and now with Posture, um, where, what really excites me is when is that when I talk to small businesses and, you know, I was speaking with uh, an African-American um, business owner in Michigan yesterday and she called me on the holiday and was like, I've got to tell you, you know, God must have must have sent your email to me because I'm sitting here wondering how I'm going to work, um, get these contracts, especially with the government. And I have no idea how I'm going to get it done. And then your email comes in. And so to me, when I can get phone calls of people thanking me for, oh, my goodness, you, you gave me the policies I needed. I have no idea how to do it. It just validates that there is a serious need. There is a serious gap. And it may not have been attractive before for other startups to get into this small business field. But now because of the demands of um, of, of cyber risk that are coming from the, the hacking, from the working remote, it is imperative for small businesses to give this attention. And, and we've got a way for them to do it without breaking the bank. Speaking of risk, Talk about your worst moment in business and what was your take? Wow. Well, I'll tell you, one thing as an entrepreneur is there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And, and as soon as you come out of a down, you take the lesson and you forget about it. Um, but I'll say the worst, um, <clears throat> I think one of the, the, one of the scariest um, moments in my company was when we were attacked. So, um, you know, my company, you know, 40, my company Quality Works has, you know, about 40, 45 people. Um, and we had a few um, Amazon web service services that were running. And because someone on our team did not follow our policy, was not trained well, um, they um, allowed access to one of our servers. And within seconds of them making that mistake, um, there was a hacker that was able to get on our system and to spin up servers with some type of script that that made it so that um, our cost in AWS went from went to about $5,000 in three hours. And um, what was so scary for me was that, you know, luckily my team is brilliant. They caught it. They, you know, were able to get it resolved. And, you know, that was a loss and a, the loss. But it, the lesson there was I have to continue to keep my team trained. I have to keep cybersecurity in the front of their mind. But the scary thing is 
I, I like I have a tech team. What if there was a company that didn't have a tech team? They didn't have the monitoring to alert them that this was happening and they would have let two days go by or three or even a week before they realized what was happening. They would have gone under. And so what's scary to me is that I just feel this level of empathy for my 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 colleagues that are trying to build and grow um, wonderful businesses. And I just, it just scares me because I'm like, if this could happen to me and I, I am, have a cybersecurity background, then how much more vulnerable are um, entrepreneurs that aren't really in tech, but they have some access to data and they, and they need to be able to have, make wise decisions to reduce their risk. So I think that was the, that was really scary because I know if we didn't catch that, I would have been out of business in two or three days. Um, and so I'm just very fortunate that I got a lesson there and was able to bounce back. Um, why tech? Why did you go? Well, I guess I, I I've always been into math. I'll start by, you know, I, I, my father came to the United States when he was 20 years old. And, and my father now is 87. But when he came at 20, um, the newest technology was to build color TVs. And so my father came to the United States to learn how to build color TVs. Then he became a telephone technician. Then he started his own telephone wiring company. And he had one employee, which was me. And I was about 10 years old. And I would go with him to wire and do cabling. And we would then go to Radio Shack and we would build electronics. So I've just always, um, you know, been into electronics and technology. I just loved the control you could have over a computer by writing a few lines of code. Um, and so I've been passionate about uh, computer technology since I was probably in elementary school. Um, and so I've just kind of followed it and been, you know, very blessed to have a lot of doors and uh, access open open to me to, to, to do very well there. Fill in the blank, Stacy. Thank you, pandemic. Be- <laughs> Thank you, pandemic, because you allowed me and so many other people to prioritize their life and family over everything. Um, it's just been a it's 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 been tough for a lot of parents, especially um, and uh, children that have uh, older parents, but. I think, you know, in something like a pandemic, you realize what really matters in life um, and you make sure that you give that time and that priority to those those people and friends that, you, that have loved you and, and be able to not have to drive around all day and fly all around and settle into the space where you can be with the people you love. Thank you, pandemic. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Stacey, what problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? Oh, wow. Well, uh, just so you know, I'm a problem solver by nature. So I probably have a big list. Um, I'd I'd love to solve hate. (laughs) It's a big one to solve. Um, But, you know, I, I think... During times like the pandemic, you uh, you also got to see you got to see the good and bad side of a lot of people. Um, you got an opportunity to see where there is a lot of anger, there's a lot of hate, um, there's a, a lack of empathy, and you know if if I could ma- you know wave my magic wand and be able to really show people, you know, how we're all the same, um, how close we all are, we all love, we all have children, we all have parents, we all have people in our lives, and we're all the same, no matter where we're from, no matter what tone our voices, our skin tone, um, and and to really be able to find a way to, to have people relate to each other, and not create boundaries by parties and create boundaries by borders. Um, that would just, that would be, 
I think, incredible and in, in what we could do if we, we got past that hate. Absolutely. Stacey, I want you to have a monologue. I want you to name this person, living or not. And this person has inspired you so much. Name the person and what are you saying to Um, I feel like it's cliche to say it's my mother, (laughs) but I think when it comes to inspiration, um, that is it. So dear mother, um, thank you for showing me that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the trials that you have in life. You have an opportunity to build what matters in life around you. You have the opportunity to have a family that you love. You're able to to get a place, a roof over your head, and to look at each day as an opportunity and not as a rejection or not as something to be sad about, but an opportunity for you to learn and to love and to do great things. So that's that's my monologue with my mother um, who continues to inspire me every day as she tells me stories of things that most people would say as a uh, horrific accounts of, of growing up in, um, in, in the projects and one of the most dangerous parts of New York and that she can say as an opportunity and a blessing um, makes me very thankful for everything that I have, good or bad, and, and being able to take that and look for the silver lining, look for the sugar and the water to make lemonade and and move forward. Advice you wish you had found? (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I'm very stubborn. Um, And so I know you may have a question also about what, what do you wish you didn't do? I... Uh, I wish I, it's, it's really hard because I, I feel like I've, I've made a decision in my life that, um, I will live with no regrets. Um, and so it's hard to say that, uh, there's advice I wish I followed because it's sometimes I appreciate the, the lesson behind falling straight on my face because I was too stupid to listen. Um, and so, uh, I think, you know, even even in not listening to that advice, um, I've I've I found um, you know a lot of blessings. But I will say, and you know, I've I've heard this with some of the other entrepreneurs. You know, when it comes to who you choose as your life partner, you you have to take it very very seriously. Um, it will impact your ability to become an entrepreneur, stay an entrepreneur. You have to really look at the person um, from a perspective of not just how much they love you and how much you're in love, um, but you have to look at it from a financial perspective. You have to look at it from how they treat others, how they um, react when the goings get tough, go, when, when things get tough, um, because you really are going to need an incredible support network as an entrepreneur. Um, I just, in general, in life, you need a great uh, support network, but definitely as an entrepreneur, you need the right people on your, on your side to support you um, when times get tough. Let's talk about capital. How did you raise the capital to start your company? Well, uh, my first company, I applied for a small business loan. Um, I was fortunate when I, when, I, when I initially started my company in 2010, I started as a consultant of one. That was me. Um, And so I went out and I got business. I got a contract. um, And so it didn't require me to have any upfront capital. But, um, you know, as my company grew, I needed to, um, you know, get an office. I needed to hire a larger team that I could train and and develop even before I had more contracts for them. Um, And so I went to a small business. That was a very long a lot of paperwork, um, but I was able to get an SBA loan um, for $30,000, which sounds very small now, um, but it was enough for me to kind of get started and to get my business going and get my team trained up 
um, until I got my first contract. Uh, when I got to Posture, I was fortunate enough to be able to bootstrap that myself um, to at least the first phase of creating the, the MVP product and piloting it with my first clients. Um, we also were able to make revenue from our pilots that also kept kept us going. And now I'm in a process where I've, we've seen the success, we've validated our product market fit, and we're ready to to um, get some uh, venture capital angel investment. Congratulations, that is awesome. Thank you. What can we do right now to support your business? Well, thank, uh, thank you. I always love that question. Um, I will always take, um, you know, social media. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm probably the first Stacy Kirk, definitely the first African American Stacy Kirk, K I R K, to come up. People that can that follow me, forward what we're putting out. Um, follow us on uh, Postured Up. That's um, where we're um, on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're letting entrepreneurs know what's going on in cybersecurity that impacts them as a small business. So following us, retweeting us, um, all are, are great ways to support. Um, letting people know that there is a solution for cybersecurity that works within a small business budget. Um, signing up for our product. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're building up an application for uh, QualityWorks can um, definitely help with the testing, uh, we also have a test case management platform um, that's made for startups and small businesses that don't have a quality assurance departments. Um, so those are all ways, and it, you know, it kind of can start with just reaching out to me on LinkedIn um, and staying in contact. Um, my team does an incredible job with social media and making sure that uh, we we keep informing and educating um, entrepreneurs on on how to do. Uh, things better as technology and innovation grows. And what's on the horizon when we think about technology and innovation? Well, um, this year, I'm really excited to talk about data. You know, um, I, I, I heard this came up with uh, on another one of your pods, and, you know, data is the new oil, data is king. Um, but what I'm excited about is where that, what does that mean for other people that are in technology or work for companies that use data regularly? And what I think is really interesting is that um, one of the most, um, um, one of the the up and coming jobs right now that, you know, is, is not only has an extremely high salary, but is very hard to fill are the data science and data analyst positions. And so when I look at jobs and where people are hiring, it lets me know that where the voids are within the organizations. And that void is an opportunity, again, so I use that word a lot, that's an opportunity for people within organizations that may not wanna be a data scientist or data analyst to still come up, build a few skills around data science and data analytics because we are, democratizing data um, in a way now that makes it so that um, you don't have to be technical to be able to use data to help your organization and your business. And so I'm just really excited to tell people, listen, dive into data science a little bit and data an analysis. And it's, and there's, you know, a few simple things you can do just understanding uh, what I call the five, the five whys. You probably know the whys, who, what, when, where, um, and why do around the data. Those are analysis questions and just understanding the answers to those already puts you a step above um, your peers. And so it's a great way to say, hey, I'm in trucking, but I have a skill in data analysis. Or, you know, I'm a, a project manager, but I have a skill in data analysis. No matter what your company does, you can say my company is in this area, but we, I have this additional skill I think is going to be a differentiator for not, not only people, but a lot of entrepreneurs. And in terms of filling that gap, besides the um, what, when, where, the, the main questions, 
what else could someone do to, to get that, um, to lean in and get more experience in data science or data? Yeah, well, <clears throat> we, live in an, we live in the world of information. I mean, you can Google, what should I know about data science? And <laughs> you can probably binge for a week on, on you know, areas like that. But what I, what I try to tell people, because, you know, when you hear the word data science and you listen to a couple of these YouTube videos or LinkedIn learnings and they start getting into Python scripting and statistics, people start going, oh, man, this is too hard for me. I, you know, I can't do all of it. Um, but what what I you know, what I think is a, an area that's going to be really hot. And it's, of course, it's in my area of expertise is data security and data quality. And so um, where you can analyze the quality of the data that you have um, using the five whys. You can add the how to it for ethics. Uh, you know, and ethics is an a space that I think is also, you know, especially as a minority or, uh, or diverse uh, entrepreneur or professional is an area where, you know, the sky's the limit. They need our perspectives. Um, you can look at the data and, and, and say, you know what, does it match with what it's supposed to? Um, if you want to get into the ethics, just ask the question, looking at the data that I have, does, is it representative of the group of people that we want to serve? And in the way the data is laid out, does it marginalize? Does it does it do do something negative to impact a group of people? So that's the how. So it's the the five whys and the how. How is it being used? I think is going to be very important. And as a person of color or a person that was representing a marginalized community, being able to give your perspective on that data is so necessary and 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 so and so valuable. And honestly. You can Google, you can Google to your heart's content, but if it starts to get too technical, I just recommend people to close out, open something that keeps it high level enough where you feel like you can invest, you can um, get involved and, and, and add value without having to necessarily write code. Talk about your top two influencers and what lessons did they teach? Um, let's see. Well, I think one of, um, one of my top influencers is, um, a woman named Dame Stephanie Shirley. Um, very, very interesting story, um, that I, you don't really hear much about. And I think it's very inspiring as a woman in, um, in technology. Um, she started, <clears throat> she started, a a uh, programming business, um, I think back in like maybe the late sixties and, and she only, I won't say she only hired, but her target employee was the working mom that had to work from home. And so it's so interesting, like at how it's come full circle, but at the time they had these cards for programming, you know, there was a lot of women that were in math. And so she wanted to create a company of programmers that could work freelance, they could work the hours they needed to so that they could be mothers. Um, and she did it her way. And, and in the end, she was able to make, you know, dozens of millionaires um, from her company going public. And so, you know, I, she's been an influence to me because I feel like one of my passions is giving underrepresented um, professionals and minorities a platform to show their greatness and to shine. And to be able to do it in a way that works for the individual employee as well. And so she did, she created something her way. It wasn't easy to be able to sell programmers back in the 60s and as mothers that work from home, but she was able to do it. She was able to become a, a you know, a multimillionaire, make other millionaires. Um, and so I just love her story as an inspiration as, as a woman that wants to, to make sure that I am giving opportunity. Um, and, and in terms of the, um, my second influencer, this is, it's a tough one. Let me, <laughs> so many influences. 
Um, this one's kind of kind of weird. It's not actually a person, but it's kind of a, a kind of a movement um, or or kind of a experiences that I have as a child. You know, one of the things that you learn if you get an opportunity to, and everyone should get an opportunity to, you know, go to therapy, understand your childhood and understand how you make those, make decisions and as an adult based on how you are raised. Um, one of the influences that pushed me so much as a child um, was the fact that I was the only Black person in my entire elementary school. Um, I experienced a lot of racism, a lot of bullying, and went on to middle school and high school where I was one of very few, especially in honors and AP classes, where I had teachers and counselors that told me I couldn't over and over and over again. They told me I shouldn't be in honors classes. They told me I shouldn't work so hard that I would never get into any good schools. And it was uh, it was an influence that was positive for me where oftentimes it could be negative for so many people. And so I use it as an example because I do know so many people that have these negative things that happen to them as children and they, and, and that bitterness and that anger and that, that hate that they experience now has carried over into disabling them instead of enabling them. And so the influence of Stacy, you can't, has been um, a factor in why I will um, so often in everything that I do. And when I do it, I'm taking as many people with me that, that maybe don't have that opportunity or that mindset to say, I will, I will, no matter what you say. So those are kind of the two influencers I, I, that come to mind right now. <laughs> Daisy, thanks for sharing. And we do have someone in the audience that I believe would like to, to ask a question. And if that's, if that's um, possible, we will take the next caller. Welcome, Renzi. Renzi, did you have a question? Hi. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity to listen in. And Stacy, I love your story. It is so inspiring. And I think one of the questions that I have is that with so many women, um, because of the times that we live in now, is that they've been having to make choices about leaving the workplace, but wanting to continue a career. Have mm -hmm. you seen that in your industry where women have been challenged or women have been moving more towards understanding how to leverage the tech industry to, to find their, their, their footing again? Yeah. Well, you know, the one of the, uh, one of the, kind of not so inspiring reasons why I got into tech was because of all the racism that my parents experienced in Texas. I, I knew that if I went into tech, I would always have a job and I never would have to kiss butt. <laughs> and it's true. I've always had a job. I've never had to kiss butt. Um, and I think women, you know, in general, I'm always working on confidence with women because when you're in tech and you know your stuff, you decide and design your work life, your schedule the way you want it to. And people will say, okay, it's one of those spaces where you can be very creative and say, you know what? I want to have work-life balance. I want to be there for my children. I have to be there for my, 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 you know, my parents, et cetera. This is what I can do. And um, surprisingly, I started my company. I started my company because I was having my daughter and I was like, I want to only work 20 hours a week, but I want to make the same amount of money I used to make working 40. How am I going to do that? I'm going to become a consultant and I'm going to charge more. And so, you know, I think what, what is always important, and I, and I did this even with some of my friends that were, weren't making a lot of money. I said, you've got to figure out where their gaps are in technology, where they really are desperate for people. Learn just enough that you can make your own um, you can you call your call the shots for yourself. So I encourage people to go get into technology, but also keep their passion. You know, if your passion is, um, you know, movies, you know, look for companies that are in movies and tech, you know, keep that passion because that's a skill in itself. 
um, and then just learn a little bit about what's really in, in need. And you can design, you don't have to choose either, either or you can kind of make it the way you want to make it. Great question. Thanks. Sir. Thanks. And, and if I may, um, I, I have a follow up question with all like all of the stuff, the the disruptions, you know, as a result of um, COVID and people being displaced in the workplace. What's your your take on artificial intelligence and machine learning? You know, mm-hmm. have you seen a change or I guess you say a higher demand for that in this is in this economy? Um have we have I seen a higher demand for AI? Yes. Yeah. The, AI is not going anywhere. It is going to continue to be used to um you know replace certain positions and certain jobs to kind of augment you know what humans can do. Um I don't I think that that train had left even before the pandemic. Um I I've got to tell you, like, this kind of sounds crazy because I am, you know, I went, I was fortunate to go to a really good school. I went to Stanford University. I did all my, you know, I, of course, to get into school like that, I did, I was such a good student. Um, but what I really see the future as is what makes you unique from a machine? And so when it comes to some of the things you learn and you learn in traditional form, form of school these days, it's still the same things that AI can do very well right now. You know, because it's just material that you are absorbing and regurgitating. And so I think uh, AI is definitely going to explode. Where I think people can still beat a machine um, is in that creativity and being unique, understanding what what they can do different than from what they're just being taught and repeating back. Um, So I think it's an exciting time. You know, as a mother and raising children, you know, I wonder, you know, do you need to know how to write as good and type as good as I learned I did 25 years ago? Um, Because honestly, the writing and typing can be done by AI. Maybe it's the ideas that are going to be really more valuable and, and thinking, critical thinking and thinking outside the box. Thank you. Thank you. Great question. Stacy, talk about mental health and managing your. Yeah, well, um, this this, uh, you know, I think the pandemic put, you know, mental health, I think, on on the top shelf for everyone. And I think that's a good thing. That's another thank you, pandemic, um, because it is um, it's it's something that I had to speak about with my team. Um, We began to give mental health days. Um, I took two months off. I took a sabbatical this summer, um, not not because of mental health, but to to make sure I did what I needed to do to keep my my state healthy, not not kind of reactive, but being proactive. And because of that, um, because my team knows me as a kind of, you know, I work hard, I'm working all the time. I thought that this was the year where I wanted to teach them something different. I wanted to teach them about balance. And, and being and making sure you take care of yourself. And so I got to say, we had more vacation time taken this year, or I'll say in 2021 than ever before, which is a little uncomfortable for an entrepreneur, but it was required um, because at the end of the day, you, you, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not, you're not taking care of your employees. They're not going to, we're not going to last, you know? Um, you know, I, I always go to my next door neighbor, Mr. Anderson. <laughs> He's uh, 90 years old. And I ask him just to, I said, I just want to make sure this pandemic is not like anything average, right? This is, this is kind of some of the worst stuff you've seen in your lifetime, right? And he goes, yeah, this is the worst stuff I've seen. And so I tell my team, like, you got to put, you got to put your, your, your mental health in perspective. You know, if you're feeling sad in the middle of the pandemic, that is expected. This is something that is worse than we've seen in potentially 100 years. And so, you know, don't feel like you don't want don't need to take care of yourself because you really do. And, and, and I think out of that has come some really beautiful 
interactions with our team where we've, we've really helped to build each other and spend time together, really loving on each other instead of just talking about work all the time, which, is, which I think is what we have to do as leaders um, these days. Talk about motherhood and managing. Yeah, I mean, um, I have made a lot of um, decisions in terms of how do I be the best mother in the world and also be, you know, one of the best bosses, one of the best leaders, one of the best companies, um, you know, and I, and I heard some advice from another really bad sister who was, who said, you know what, you can do all of those things. You just may not be able to do them all at the same time. And so that helped me figure out how to manage better. So I've always had help. And, you know, what I think is really interesting about my, my company that's in, that's located in Jamaica and how women outside of the United States handle motherhood um, and their perspectives on motherhood versus American women in general, it just made me realize that, you know, things are a lot different than they were 30 years ago raising children. You can't just, they just can't go out and run around till it comes dark anymore and come in and, you know, there is so many, much more access to information uh, for them as well. And so trying to do all those things that, you know, be able to participate and go to every game and, you know, being on all the committees, all of that is overwhelming. And you have to pace yourself and you have to ask for a lot of help so that you don't, you can, you know, do the things that you need to do. So I've always had a lot of help. I've seen, you know, a lot of the mothers in Jamaica, it's just common thing. If you're a working mom, there's going to be someone to help you in the house. Like you can't do it all. Uh, we're, you know, for us, if you, if I tell my friends, oh, you know, I have a personal assistant, I have an executive assistant, I have assistants or assistants, I have a clean, then, you know, it's, you kind of look down, it's kind of look down on that a little bit here. Like, oh, you must think you're, you know, a queen or a princess, but in actuality, I have goals in terms of the type of mother I want to be and also a business owner. And in order to do that and keep my sanity, I have to I have to admit that I can't do it all and get the help that I need. And so, um, you know, I always I always tell people I do it because I've got a lot of help and I'm very thankful for it. And sometimes that help is very expensive. But, you know, sanity is keeping your mental health and your sanity to me there is priceless. So. Um, I'm willing to do that just so I can be at my kids' games. I can be active in their lives and also active in my company. Stacy, what is your zone of genius? I think it's, um, I think it's problem solving. Um, I love a good problem to solve. <laughs> And uh, I, I realize it, it. I like the ones that are very stressful. Um, the ones that uh, seem like the, the, the only answers are no and never. Um, I love to brainstorm and be creative about how do you make um, the impossible possible. What is your weakness as an entrepreneur? My weakness is how I treat employee number one. And that's myself. <laughs> um, I, I, I do, I, I, I could suffer from being a workaholic, I would say. Um, I work a lot. And, you know, there's some people that work a lot because they feel the stress that their company is going to go under. I work a lot because I enjoy working a lot. It's my hobby. Um, but um, as an entrepreneur, there is so much more value in being balanced to get up from the, the computer and to go out and to talk to people and to network. And I know in the back of my mind, the best way to, to grow your business is through relationships. Um, and so I think my weakness is I still feel like I can, you know, um, grow my business by sitting at the computer and working all night long. Um, and, and I think that helps. But you also need to, to build those relationships. And sometimes I'm a little weak at 
we get that. It's part of my computer nerd in me. <laughs> what is the best decision you made as a leader? Well, I'll, I'll say it's the decision I made this year to take two months off. Um, I have some incredible women leaders and they just were not comfortable taking a hold um, and, and, and of the things that I wanted to delegate um, from them because they were second guessing themselves and they wanted me to validate. And so part of me leaving was not only for me to make sure that I was proactive in my health, um, but it was for me to allow the, um, the my successors to be there without me and see how incredible they were. And so um, this is the first year and I, you know, this is a beautiful time in any leader's entrepreneur's journey when you can, you know, say that you have a staff that is running your company and they're doing a great job without you. And my goal has always been to make myself unnecessary in the process. And, you know, I couldn't figure out how to do that for many years until I said, I'm out of here. I'm leaving for two months. You tell me everything you need to run the company without me. And they did an incredible job and they built the confidence that they needed to, to find their inner boss um, without me. And now they're like, Hey, do you want to make decisions? And I'm like, no, you've got it. Keep doing it. And so um, that, that was uh, made me really proud for, for them and, and for our company as a whole. That is awesome. What do you need right now that you don't have to move the needle? I need $2 million of capital to get to the next level. I want to build my marketing and sales team. Um, I want to be able to increase our social media and create, um, you know, our next level technologies. And uh, that requires us to scale. And, um, you know, as a small business, we're used to kind of, you know, inching along. But uh, I can't inch along anymore, not when we're in a cybersecurity crisis. I, I need to grow very quickly. And so that's why I'm um, in this pre-seed round of, of raising. So, you know, anyone with $2 million, please reach out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Stacey, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer. Hmm. Hmm. That's a, that's a good one. Now I'm become a, the podcaster. Um, I guess the question I would ask is what is my biggest, what, what is your biggest recommendation for aspiring entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are just getting started. Um, so that's my question. What's my recommendation? And <clears throat> the answer to that is don't quit. Um, this is not my, uh, in my 20s, I started my own business um, and I quit um, because it got a little tough. And, you know, as a as a 23-year-old at the time, I, I just didn't have the wherewithal. Um, and there were many times in my journey now as an entrepreneur um, from 2010 on where it would have been easy to quit. But if I just continued to press on, put in um, the work and believe in myself and believe in what I'm selling and my services, um, I knew that I would see to the other side. And sometimes I didn't know if I'd see to the other side, but I told myself I'm not going to quit. And um, every time I've done that, I've just been amazed with, um, you know, what's over the next hill. We've come to the round. Um, we've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And I'd like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the rapid round of fun? Whew. All right, here, let's go. <laughs> Your favorite color? Pink. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. 
Your ideal car. Uh, Tesla X. Your first job. Wendy's fries. <laughs> the last movie you saw. Oh, Tinder Swindler on Netflix. <laughs> you relax doing what? Swimming on my back in the middle of the ocean. Your favorite singer or rapper? Oh, Beyonce. <laughs> Your favorite dance song? Oh, favorite dance song. Oh, yeah, Soka. Uh, what's a Soka song? Uh, any Soka song. I can't think of <laughs> any Soka music. Is my favorite dance music. <laughs> what food you eat every week, no matter what? Eggs. Your favorite month? July. Work out or hit the couch? Work out. Stacy Kirk, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur, Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Thank you. It was a pleasure being on the show. How fun. Great way to end it. Uh, the best way to contact me, I check it all the time, is LinkedIn. My LinkedIn handle is Stacy N, as in Nicole Kirk. Um, you can also reach me on Twitter at Queen of Agile QA and follow my company Posture at Postured Up with the D Postured Up um, on Instagram, Twitter, um, and Facebook. So yeah, thank you. And I'd love to love to definitely work, work with entrepreneurs and support them in their journey. Thank you so much, Stacey. And we want to thank our um, callers and our listeners for listening in. And if you have any questions that you um, want to ask Stacey, feel free to reach out. If you want to connect with me personally, you can always send an email to fr at francisrichards.com. That's a wrap.